Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to HelpMyGamblingProblem.org for free confidential services. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there. Way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu. This podcast is presented by Tommy Hilfiger, a PVH brand and an official partner of the New York Giants. We are back with draft season after a few months of a hiatus after the 2022 NFL draft. We are back. I am John Schmelk. Back with us this year is Tony Pauli and Eric Crocker, our co-host. And that handsome fourth face you see on your screen is a friend of the program. He is Bruce Feldman. <laughs> uh, you can see him on the Big Noon pregame show on Fox for their college football coverage. And, of course, he's also a columnist for The Athletic, covers college football for them. And the last couple of weeks, we've seen his Freaks list, which is his annual rite of passage where he puts out some of the best athletes in college football. That kind of gives guys like us who are focused on the NFL part of this a good watch list for players to keep an eye on during the year. So we're going to start with Bruce, then we'll kind of get into a college football season preview after our interview. Bruce, thanks for being with us, man. How are you? How was your summer? I hope you got some relaxation because the four-month sprint is about to begin. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, summer was great. I got to coach my son in a PB football league for two seasons. That was awesome. And now um we talk about as you guys we talk so much about it and when the season's finally here you kind of i'm getting goosebumps already so um can't wait this is going to be a big first weekend of the season and just i don't know i'm fired up watch a lot of preseason nfl can't wait for that startup too awesome i want to start with your freaks list here bruce and last year i believe you had aiden hutchinson number one right he had not had a ton of production before his year last year, but people had their eyes on him. Um, is there a player on this year's list that you think fits that profile that maybe has not shown up production-wise in college football, but from the people you've talked to is ready to have that breakout year and could rise to the top of draft boards around the NFL? Uh, you know, it's funny. It, it's I, it's too early to talk draft with this name, and it's a name that's going to be very familiar for NFL fans. But watch out for Marvin Harrison Jr. That's obviously his dad was a great receiver with the Colts. He's a receiver at Ohio State. Different kind of, you know, he's big. He's 6'3", 210, uh, super explosive. He's actually number two, like Aiden was, on my freaks list. Uh, and he had a big game at the end of last year in the in the Rose Bowl against Utah. Now he was overshadowed a little bit by Jackson Smith and Jigba. Keep in mind that Ohio State's two star receivers missed that bowl game to get ready for the draft. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. So uh, Brian Hartline has developed a great receiver room. But the things I hear about Marvin Harrison Jr., I expect him to have a huge season and be really a, a breakout star in the Big Ten. Go ahead, Tone. Yeah, well, I, I mean, I think Bruce says it's too early to talk about Marvin Harrison with the draft because he's not draft eligible. I, I mean, uh, he's only a true sophomore. So really, you know, as much as people will love him, he's not going to be in the 2023 draft. But Bruce was right on. I mean, if you watched that Rose Bowl, 
Marvin Harrison and Jarvis Smith and CJ Stroud were phenomenal, which is why everybody, you know, loves Ohio State right now because of, you know, specifically, I feel anyway, that Rose Bowl where every time they were down, Harrison was making huge plays, you know, from the arm of CJ Stroud. Yeah, I mean, you know, on that point, they're my preseason. You know, most people I work with think Alabama is going to be the team to beat in the national title. Give me Ohio State. Now, look, you know, as you know, as you as you know, covering the draft for a long time, they you wouldn't see college quarterbacks unless they were going to be in the draft out there throwing for pro days, different time now. And so talking to some NFL people I talked to, they went to Ohio State's pro day and really felt like it was a little bit of C.J. Stroud's pro day, even though he was only two years removed from high school. Now, C.J. could be in this draft coming out. I think he's going to win the Heisman. I mean, as you said, I mean, he is really accurate. I mean, he is checking all the boxes in terms of he's really smart. He's a lot bigger uh, kid than than Bryce Young, who's also excellent at, at Alabama. CJ's legit 6'2 plus, maybe 6'3. He's up to 225. He's really smart. I think he's got all the, um, you know, there's there's a great little story about him in terms of when he was coming up, he went to the opening, which is, you know, kind of is this big Nike event where all the top high school soon to be seniors will be at. It's also kind of in conjunction with the Elite 11. He was not a big name there. He was really under the radar and he blew up there. And he was so impressive that all the other Ohio State commits who were, you know, big time, more national names were like calling Ryan Day. Hey, this is a guy we want. And I think that speaks to not just his ability, but also from the stories I heard from people who worked with him there um, speaks to just kind of his competitiveness and his belief and some of those intangibles that I think you really want as a quarterback. Yeah. And and unlike Bryce Young, I mean, CJ Stroud does have luxury of the fact that He's bringing two big-time receivers back, even though they lost Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, where, you know, Bryce Young's favorite targets from a year ago are now in the NFL. Right. And for- also, yeah, I mean, and I think what's big here is you had Ryan Day, who's as good as there is in the college game. He's got some, you know, obviously NFL experience. I think he's got that system that is in place, not to say that Bill O'Brien isn't what Ryan Day is, but I just think you know, there's something he can build on beyond that. He's got a great running back behind him in Travion Henderson. Uh, I think also just on Ohio State, I think they will be even more improved in the run game. Justin Fry, who had worked with Chip Kelly, he he is, and he worked with Ryan Day early in his career. He's come come to Ohio State. I think that will help them in the O-line because that was a little bit of an issue for them last year. Not as much of an issue as the defense was, but not to turn this into the Buckeye podcast or anything like that, but (laughs) I think they are going to be much must-see TV. You want to see this offense. Go ahead, Carl. Yeah, no, I was just going to touch on CJ Stroud as well. And I think for me as a prospect, I think the thing I want to see from him most heading into this season is the intermediate passes. I think we all watched that game against Utah and uh, what it looked like him pushing the ball down the field, uh, terrific ball location, especially on some of those slot fades. But intermediate, it was a little kind of hit and miss throughout the season. So if he can become just more efficient from that standpoint, we are talking about someone who can potentially win the Heisman. No question. Yeah, and I think, 
Go, go ahead, ahead, Bruce. I'm sorry. I don't want to. I don't want to take you all the way down. The no, line. Bruce. No, no. Rabbit hole. Take us. Take us. No, I was just gonna say. You know, just to that point, he really developed as the year went on. Remember, it was like there was a little bit of rocky moments at times early on. You know, it was his first year as a starter, and I think that we saw it. And and there was there was you know some really good on the other side of the ball. Utah has a player who I think will be an NFL cornerback yeah. down the down the road. Clark Phillips. He was a big recruit. He is the guy. When you talk to him, you're like. What do you want to do after football? And you already know the answer is this guy, if he does, if he doesn't end up having a long, long NFL career, will probably be a really good coach, you know? So lots, you know, there was a lots of interesting talent in, on the field that day at the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Phelps is a true junior. I mean, he showed flashes last year. Good athlete. I'm sure he's a guy that'll make your freaks list. Uh, not in short, in short time. Don't know, but if he's the tallest guy, just no. got to polish his ball skills. But yeah, absolutely. I think I've got Phillips right now graded as a day two pick. But as I said in my write-up, he's got plenty of upside potential, and I could see him moving up draft boards if he improves his game. You know, Bruce, I want to follow up. You guys mentioned, you know, how Stroud's bringing back his wide receivers and, and Bryce Young at Alabama is not. You know, we have rite of passages every year. You have, you know, marks on the calendar. You have your holidays. And it seems like every year the last decade, it's been, all right, what Alabama receiver or two are going to go in the first round? So is there going to be an Alabama receiver that emerges this year with Bryce Young as his quarterback to become – the next Jamison Williams, who nobody was even talking about before last season, then all of a sudden, boom, first round. I don't know if this year, I, you may have some younger receivers who are still, you know, are not draft eligible. I mean, they, you know, Jermaine Burton's a good receiver who transferred yeah. in from Georgia. I think the guy, the transfer, the the skill guy people will buzz about is Jamar Gibbs. He was at Georgia Tech. He was the best player on a really bad program. Uh, there's some guys I talked to who are, who are coaches down there who played against him who think Jamar Gibbs will be a Heisman candidate. He's that good of a running back. And so he's the one I would say really keep an eye on. They have a good tight end, Cameron Law, too, but not like he's not like I don't think he's quite as good as the guys in Georgia's tight end room. I mean, there's some there's some pretty good tight ends around there. Notre Dame has a stud over there and Michael Mayer. But I think. To me, the skill guy that people will buzz about for Alabama is Gibbs, the running back, not not the receivers. I kind of want to follow up there because you talked a little bit about Jermaine Burton and, you know, he's transferring over from Georgia. And I think he's a guy that has big time ability, but that Georgia offense is just not wide receiver friendly in the sense of being able to be really productive. So, I mean, you look at those guys and some of their numbers, two, three catches a game, but I think he's a guy who in a more spread out offense that can really utilize his skill set. He can be a guy who has a really good year that kind of catapults him into the conversation of potentially being a first round pick. Yeah, I think one of the things that, they, you know, when Munkin got there as the offense coordinator, obviously he he had done a really good job as a head coach at Southern Miss and went in the NFL. I think they were mindful of, hey, this is getting you people are recruiting that using this against us in recruiting that they, they you know, you want to play defense. This is a place to go. You want to be a running back. This is a place to go in terms of having it open up. You know, whereas when, you know, it was a brief window, but like LSU when they had Joe Brady, they were fl th flinging it all over the place. If you're a receiver, you probably more inclined to want to go there. And right now, I think if you're a receiver, you know, you see the track record that Nick Saban and you got to say it's Nick Saban because offensive coordinators have come and go. But now the way this offense is, you know, you you'd be more inclined to look to Tuscaloosa or, or, or Columbus than maybe Athens, Georgia at this point. You know, Bruce, I just get away from the offensive side of the ball. I want to talk about your number one guy on your freaks list, Maisie Smith of Michigan, because, you know, every, all the talk last year was about Aiden Hutchinson and even David Ajabu, who had a great year up until uh, the, his injury in pro day. But when you watch the film, 
I mean, it's number 58 that's in the middle of that defensive line that's commanding double team blocks, that's basically freeing things, uh, freeing things up for the guys on the outside. And I loved him as a player. I couldn't, couldn't imagine why people weren't talk about, talking about him more. I have him as a top 25 prospect. And then I read your column, uh, your freaks list, and he's the number one guy. So you're talking potentially the melding of not only an outstanding football player, but a great athlete and a guy that big. Yeah, Tony, like, I'll be honest, I was not planning on expecting to have him in my top 10. You know, like I was at Big Ten Media Days probably uh, three weeks before I the Freaks list is coming out. And and Jim Harbaugh was raving to me about a true freshman defensive tackle they have, Kenneth Grant, who's 6'4", 360. And he said he ran a sub five flat 40. And so some of the numbers. And so, you know, I talked to Mozzie Smith about him more than I talked to him about himself. And then. There's another player they have there, Julius Welchoff, who has a really fascinating background. Welchoff was a champion mogul skier from Germany. He's he's probably even bigger and certainly longer than Aiden Hutchinson. He's not the football player, but he is a, he's a special athlete. And so when I was kind of asking for context, there's their strength coach, Ben Herbert, who had been at Wisconsin and obviously was there with J.J. Watt. He's developed a lot of special players and special big athletes. And so we started talking not just about some of these other guys, but then it got to Mozzie Smith and some of the stuff he, he does that he was explaining to me this, this plot reacto reactive plyo staircase. They do. It's not like the stairs in, in your house or in the office. These are like 27 inches high. So they're, you know, really steep. And he's explaining, he goes, I'm going to send you the video. So you see this guy who's almost 340 pounds and he looks like an enormous jackrabbit springing up these seven stairs. And it's insane to see how he can move, especially they sent me other videos of smaller athletes. And we're talking about, you know, these are not just regular people. These are elite athletes, how quickly they go. And then he goes, we have this combo twist machine that he is so strong that we actually had to call the manufacturer and say, we got to have you build an extension to this because we need 200 more pounds to accommodate him. They couldn't do it. So they had to find somebody else to basically specially make it. And so if you haven't seen the freaks, list, I would encourage people to go to it because there's video. And when you see the video of what he's doing on this, watch it and then watch it back to see the face, the expressions on his teammates face as they see this giant man just slinging weight around. It's crazy to see. So I, I love that you, you know, he was already on your radar. They think he is going to be that much better this year because he's even in better shape and he's just continued to build off of what was already kind of in the, in the pot work. I mean, you said that he ran a six, nine, five free cone. Most defensive backs go to the Indianapolis combine hoping to get under seven seconds. And here's Maisie Smith at 325 pounds reportedly, you know, 337, Tony, 337. Running a 6'3", 337. I apologize. Running a time that defensive backs hope to do at the combine. I mean, that's amazing. And again, when you watch the film, he's not an athlete on the football field. He is a darn good football player who happens to be an outstanding athlete. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to see somebody that big. Cause I mean, as you guys know, I mean, it's one thing to be 290. It's another thing to be almost 340 and doing what he's doing. Right. And so like I, like I said, I had no intentions or expectations of him being in the top 10 until not only the strength coach was really walking me through everything they do with him, but also then sending me the video to back it up, right? And so it's just crazy, um, you know, to see what, what he's going to be able to do this season as well. 
Okay, I want to ask you, Tony, uh, Bruce, about two guys that are in your top 15 that are smaller school guys and are local in the New York, New Jersey area. Andre Carter, the edge player out of Army. I don't know what I'm asking. You're going to have to help you with the last name. Andre Iasevis from Princeton? Yoshevis. Uh, Yoshevis, thank you, from Princeton. Talk to me about those two guys and, and smaller school guys that you think could break out this year. Uh, Andre Carter is like super productive player at Army, and he was a small school prep, you know, basically a prep school guy. He was like a two-star tight end prospect. He's got great length. I think they they told me is you know six ten, uh, you know six ten wing. He's also like a four two pro agility guy. And they said his react, you know, the reactive times that were uh, the arm where Army tests them, they said is like off the charts. You know, just like. So as good as he is effort wise and as productive as he's been, a lot of times, you know, we've seen good players in the service academy, certainly at, you know, Army, Navy, Air Force. This one's a little different because of the length that you see. Right. And I I'm, I don't think this is maybe the right comparison. I'll defer to, to you guys a little more on it because on the NFL side, but like Ali Villanueva was like bounced around position wise at, at Army, played tight end, play receiver, and then ended up being a really good offensive you know, left tackle for the Steelers. This was a guy again here, you know, in terms of um, Carter was a tight end and then moved over, has continued to grow. And the coaches I know there really speak highly of him. And, you know, I'm interested to see, you know, what he ends up getting viewed at in the NFL's eyes because he's a heck of a football player. I can tell you this right now, scouts like him because scouts that I've talked to who, you know, grade the underclassmen before the season. They've already got a day two grade on him. So a lot is expected of him this season. And, you know, as you said, it, it, can he, you know, he, he is that type of athlete with that length. Can he improve upon uh, his 2021 campaign? Yeah. In, in terms of the Princeton receiver. So he's from Hawaii originally. He is an elite uh, heptathlon. He's a, just an elite track athlete and he's pretty big. He's so a, a year ago or a year ago, probably like this past draft, uh, Tanner Connor was a big time track athlete in FCS bigger. He's probably six, three, you know, closer to two thirty that than Yoshevis is, but Yoshevis will jump. He said 39, maybe 40 inches. He, he thinks he will run in the low four threes. He's a, he's a very good player. My guess is there's still a lot of work for him in terms of, you know, what, what, what he can be there's good really good talent in the ivy league by the way and there's good talent not only in the ivy league that has left the ivy league right so there's a bunch of guys who come through harvard that are either transferred someplace else to fbs um you know this guy is a really special athlete i don't want to say he's more athlete than football player that i mean, that's fair to him but he's got really good size Ryan Flynn, who's his position coach loves his work ethic and what he what he does there i think he's an interesting player you know, I don't want to say, you know, he's in my top 20. I don't want to say he's one of the top 20 football players um, in, in college football, but he's a big, big time athlete. And it'll be interesting to see how he continues to develop because what he doesn't, you know, what he does in track it is really, really impressive. Hey guys, it's Steve Cavino from Cavino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. 
like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with the new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. When you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold this value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out the amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Uh, go ahead, Croc, or Tone. I asked you about Quentin Johnson of yep. uh, TCU, who, you know, you said put up some pretty, pretty outstanding athletic numbers. I, I mean, the Big 12, for the most part, has given us these bigger receivers, the Hakeem Butler types, you know, the Alan Lazard types that are basically guys that went out for 50-50 balls, but they can't separate in the NFL, which is why they so often struggle. I, I know you focused in the column on his athletic numbers. Do you think he may be able to break that mold of the Big 12, the taller receivers who went out for the 50-50 balls who you know now can separate at the NFL rather than just be a, a big-bodied wideout? I think so. The, the question mark here, guys, is so Gary Patterson was at that school forever and did an amazing job. Now here comes Sonny Dykes. He was at SMU where they had really good receivers, different kind of receivers, but really good receivers. They're going to throw it around a lot. I don't know. Like I liked early on in his career, the quarterback there, Max Duggan, had some really impressive moments. And then he had some injuries and some ups and downs. There was you know, a lot of staff uncertainty. I don't know what the quarter, you know, like the question is going to be how good, how much better does the passing game get around them? Cause this guy definitely has some elite measurables. The question is, is like, does it translate onto the film? And I think it's really right now too soon to tell where some of those other guys you're talking about, especially, you know, the I, Iowa state guys, I don't think they were the athlete. This guy was, they may have been better football players or at least more, um, especially in the case of Lazard more developed early. Um, whereas I don't know, you know, in, in terms of the consistency of what you're getting here. I mean, there's, there's some guys, you know, Marvin Mims is a big time receiver at Oklahoma in that same league, but I don't know, you know, I, I'm the jury's still out on it, Tony, on that, to be perfectly honest. Well, one last thing for me, you know, you talk about the big 12, you talk about Texas football, you talk about Bijan Robinson. But there's a guy who plays behind Bijan Robinson, who is an outstanding running back in his own right. It's just, you know, he, he's on the wrong team. That's Rashawn Johnson. And, you know, in your column, you watch Rashawn Johnson. He looks like a big downhill grinder, you know, a, a guy who, who's a short yardage ball carrier. But you tell us that, hey, this guy's also an outstanding athlete as well. Yeah, he's really explosive. He is the like the alpha on that team. He came in as a quarterback. He could do everything, right? He is the guy they lean on. He'll play wildcat, you know, quarterback if they, you know, in third and short, even in the red zone. He's a really become a really good receiver. Like if you told me that, you know, like the the Patriots draft him, he's going to play on defense too, or you know, one of those teams. Like I would not be surprised. Like this guy, I bet is going to play in the NFL a long time, and he he may be a guy who does a bunch of different things because he's just a really, really good football player, but he's also a really, really big time athlete. Like, I don't want to say there's a similar player, but there's a, 
a linebacker at North Dakota State. And we know North Dakota State obviously has produced a lot of talent, especially for an FCS program, but a little similar in terms of like just a great all around athlete he plays middle linebacker. He'd probably be a big time running back, um, you know, really good H back. Like there are some guys like that where they may not quite have like one of my biggest freaks last year was Tariq Woolen the super long cornerback from U- from UTSA where they're just like, wow, athletes. And I'm not saying Tariq's not a really good football player, but then there's some other guys who are like, they're, they're big time athletes, but they're also like probably even better football players than they are, you know, in terms of that. And I, I, I think, you know, Rashawn Johnson definitely fits that, fits that mode. I want to touch Bruce on a couple guys from Clemson. Your colleague, Dane Brugler, who does a great job scouting for the athletic has three Clemson defenders, Trenton Simpson, Brian Bressy and Miles Murphy all in his top 10. And I know they appeared on your freaks list as well. Tell me about those three. Yeah. Brise was the guy who he's coming off injury was the biggest recruit of the, uh, I mean, they're all big recruits, but he was, I mean, he's 310 pounds and they told me they think he's going to run sub four, eight in the 40. Right. And it's like, he's a big time interior guy. Miles Murphy has been, I don't say he's, He's had a ton of production there and he can really roll. I mean, will he run four, five, nine at, you know, whatever, 275? He's he's special. He was in my top five. And then the linebacker is another guy who is going to run around four, four and is a run and hit guy. Like the problem with Clemson last year, and I say the problem, they, you know, they it was a down year for them was offensively they were a mess. Right. And so. I think if these three guys stay healthy, even without Brent, Brent Venables, who was one of the best defensive coordinators in college football, and he left Clemson now to be the head coach at OU, even without him, I still think they're the team to beat in the ACC, which is a which has some good teams. Like I know, not to steer it a little down there, but like NC State has great linebackers. This is a really good NC State team, even without Iki Iguanu. They have a really good quarterback in Devin Leary. Like it's not a cakewalk for Clemson to, to win their division, I think. But as long as those three guys are, are healthy, they're going to be a big problem for all these offenses. And there are some good quarterbacks in the ACC this year. Hey, Bruce, I do have uh, one more question. All right. And I know you have Ringo pretty high. A lot of people like him out of Georgia, but there's a cornerback who I haven't heard of yet. And just talk to us a little bit about him. Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback out of Oregon. Looks like he has some big time potential. What are some of the things you've seen uh, out of him that got it to where he made your list? Yeah, Eric, he, he is a an elite track athlete now, for some background. I don't know if you guys, you know, have seen watch hard knocks, but like, even they re-aired this clip, David Blau, the backup quarterback with the lions. This is his brother-in-law. His sister um, is a Olympian for, I think she ran for Columbia. She's a sprinter. He, this guy has got good size. I mean, he's six to 200 plus. He was a really good cornerback for, for Colorado. He ended up transferring out and, Right now, I think measurables wise, I mean, he's going to test extremely well. Now we'll see how he does with Oregon because he's on a defense that new new coaching staff there. But there's a lot of freaky athletes on this Oregon team. And so how well they hold up at, you know, at uh, in the secondary will be interesting because the secondary has changed a bunch. Right. But I think he's one to there's still some things that need to be cleaned up a little bit with him in terms of just technique wise. but everything he has in terms of length and explosiveness 
I mean, Ringo is crazy explosive for being that size. I mean, there's a little Patrick Peterson into him into being that big. But I think with this kid, I mean, you're talking about a really good sized cornerback who has who has big, big time recovery speed. First, I got two quickies for you really quick. I just realized you mentioned Kaylee Ringo. We haven't mentioned a Georgia defensive player or an Alabama defensive player yet. I'm like, whoa, what, what's going on here? These are the pre predominant in the defensive teams in the country. Who are some of the guys from, from this, that side of the ball on those two teams that, that really stand out to you? Got to start with Will Anderson. He's the best college football player in the country. His production is insane. He's just a great football player. He's violently strong against the run. I mean, he may be the best player Nick Saban has coached in Tuscaloosa. I mean, wow. Yeah, that's a wow statement. I I think Nick Saban would, would have a hard time saying there's somebody better. I, I know he doesn't, you know, it's like he is that good. He is that good. Um, you know, on the other side, in terms of Georgia, Jalen Carter was, there were people I talked to going to the national title game about the Georgia defense. We know how many draft picks, how many big time guys were there. They thought he was the most talented player of the group. He couldn't come out from the same area that produced Warren Sapp he is, of Florida. He is super strong and powerful. He's, he's you know, he's probably pretty much everything I think people want there. Uh, he's special. You know, it's like those two guys, if you told me either one was the first pick in the draft, and I think this is a good quarterback batch coming up, way better than, you know, what we just saw. Um, but they are, like I said, if, if you're talking about a guy as the best player Nick Saban's had at Alabama, I don't think you really need to need to say anymore. No, you don't. Now, my final question is a more generic question about the athletic testing, Bruce, because I feel like how tough is it becoming to maybe compare and get context on some of these timed events? Because I feel like I, I don't want to use the phrase, but I'll use it. You're kind of gaming some of these times because you're training the technique in these events so much better now than you were a few years ago. The times are going to naturally elevate, even if maybe those don't show up on the field. Then you also have the GPS timing, but different systems may be timed in different ways. How comparable are those? So how are scouts and schools now using these different testing methods to really get a truly accurate profile of some of these guys' athleticism in the changing world of technology and scouting in college football? Well, I think, John, obviously, you know, they got to rely on what they see on the field. And that comes more than who who's an elite tester. Because, I mean, I've had a bunch of track guys. And I don't want to say they're track guys, but they're elite track athletes who, you know, are freaks. But maybe they're not as good at football players, right? right. Um, like, I would use the example, like, John Mechie's a really good football player from Alabama. And there are way... I would say way better, but they're much better athletes than him in terms of like freaky measurables, but they're not as good as, you know, at what they do on the field. And I think that's the part, like a lot of the stuff that happens where guys go to, to, to trainers for the combine and they go through this process and they learn how to, I don't want to say they have the answers to the test, but they basically do. And so you see guys who test incredibly well. Um, and I don't, I don't know if it's fair to say they game the system or not. It's just like they're, some of this for me, like the stuff that got Mozzie Smith, the number one on my list, those are, those are tests. And those are things that, that you're not doing at the combine. Like there's no reactive plyo staircase. There's no combo twist machine. Yeah. Yeah. The 33 inch uh, vertical jump for a guy who's almost 340 pounds. Yeah. That would wow people in Indy. Uh, there's definitely some of that, but it's one of these things where I think that's the, 
that's the the beauty of the process or whatever when they get to the evaluation i mean like there were nfl coaches i know who i think are great uh great at what they do and they were a little hesitant on aiden hutchinson because they didn't like his length right you know it's like yeah he can have great shuttle times and everything but there are certain you know like i'd go back to this like i knew the old tennessee staff years ago when lane kiffin was there and they had a short defensive back come to their camp from new orleans who did not run as fast as a kid from florida who was also a short defensive back they didn't offer tyron matthew tyron matthew went to lsu and and had an amazing run there you know so it's just like you know at the end of the day you're looking for how can we see if this football player is going to be great at the next level you know they may be great in college how is this game going to translate and you know i'm sure there's plenty of short dbs who who were you know maybe didn't run great 40 times who somebody took who probably didn't turn out to be so good in college because the game didn't translate i think that's that's why it's so fascinating why you know why i love the draft process because it's not in a, it's it's so far from an so far from an exact science you're right about the combine and testing and things like that uh man just off the street i ran a slow 40 time for the new orleans saints and uh, i flew home trained with the trainer i went from a 471 to in in three days three days of working out one hour each day i went from a 471 to a 453 just from learning how to work uh run a takeoff like to uh get out and you're uh, uh you just did a great ad for whoever that person is who trained you <laughs> I, I hope you just made them a lot of money because if you're a parent, you're like, so who trained Eric on those three days? Because I think oh, I want, yeah. I think I want I, to learn I, I suggest them to a lot of people, but uh, yeah, just learning little tricks and how to explode out really just your takeoff. You can drastically increase your time if you're not just naturally the fastest person ever. Now, I didn't last very long because clearly I'm closer to a 4.7 than a 4.5 <laughs> that I actually ran. But uh, yeah, you can, you can rig the system a little bit. Yeah, it's it's neat to talk like, you know, the other thing that's interesting on the on the freak side of it, guys, is like, I know when it comes to the combine, there's a lot of trainers who are hesitant to go to say what they think somebody's going to run, because let's say it's right. they're training Eric and they say, yeah, Eric's going to run four, four, three and Eric runs four, five, two. And that might be a really good time for him. But it's people are the perception is going to be, yeah, he didn't run what we thought. Like I had the year NC state had, had the, all the D line, you know, BJ Hill and it had, um, Oh God. Um, Jones and I'm blanking on Bradley Chubb. And the fourth guy, um, was the, was the best tester of the bunch. And he ended up like popping his hamstring on his first run in Indy. And then he like missed the first, his rookie year with the, with the 49ers. But it's one of those, one of those deals where it's like the expectations were sky high, for for that kid um and it just you know that's that's the i don't know it, it, as you guys know because you cover it all year round it's just an interesting process on a lot of levels is it yeah. justin, justin jones who's the guy you're thinking about justin jones is the guy at the chargers it's the guy with the 49ers and uh, Contavious, Contavious street. that's it Contavious yeah street yeah Tony's an encyclopedia, man. If you need a name I knew he'd get it. it i knew he'd get it i i gotta ask bruce this you know you know, when I have to come up with a top 25 or a top 100 or top 250, it's easy because I basically do it off of the film and I look at the measurables. But I'm looking at your list here. You got guys from Central Arkansas, Syracuse, USC, Ball State. How do you come? Because to me, you know, I would have a tough time compiling a list of 
my top 10 freaks. You go 100 deep. What is your process and how do you go about it? Because this is, this is just fascinating to me. So for me, it's become like it started out almost 20 years ago when I was at ESPN with 10 guys. And then over time, I started developing more and more contacts around the country. And I became a sideline reporter for Fox probably seven years ago. And so before the game, two hours before the game, the, like the only people who are on the field aside from me are the coaches, the players, the staffs and NFL scouts. And so I would have these NFL scouts come up to me and ask me about the freaks list. And we talk about it and somebody I written and all of a sudden I'm like, wow, these guys are actually reading it. They care. And so I like that opened me up to a lot more people that I like pick their brains on. And so, the, you know, like I do a two or three hour call now the last couple of years with the senior bowl staff. And I'll be perfectly honest, like four days before this year's freaks list came out. I had never heard of a school called Quincy University somewhere in Illinois. It's a smaller school. I'd never heard of it. They have a really good offensive lineman. And so Jim Nagy and I talked about him. I ended up getting in contact with the position coach, found out a lot more about this kid. And, you know, it's like, there's a lot of stuff there like that. But by now, like I know a bunch of coaches in the Missouri Valley Conference, which is which is the league that North Dakota State is in and North Northern Iowa is in it. And there's a lot of really good football players, as you guys know, that have come through there. So now all of a sudden, not only do you know the context, but these coaches have, you know, like they they're familiar with it. They've also had they know what a big time guy looks like because they probably coached against him or had one. Bruce, awesome stuff, man. We appreciate you taking us a couple extra minutes going a little past our time. We really appreciate that. Follow him on Twitter at Bruce Feldman, CFB. And Bruce, anything else you want to promote? The floor is yours. No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna text Eric to find out who uh, who his trainer is, so I can, so I can ask him pick his brain. And there's a lot of great deals if you want to subscribe to the Athletic. Go check out his Freaks List and all the other great college football coverage. Thank you, Bruce. All right, thanks, guys. We thank Bruce Feldman again. You can find him on the Athletic. If you go to his profile on Twitter, you click through, you can get all sorts of deals for a subscription. Of course, again, you can find them on the big uh, high noon pregame show on Fox sports as well. And by the way, the offensive lineman he was referring to from Quincy and no, I hadn't heard of Quincy either. Croc, mm -hmm. did you Quincy university? Any no. idea? Tony, how about no. you? Did you know Quincy? Uh, I, I not Quincy university, but I knew about the player. Okay. You know about the player. Yeah. That, that's BJ Wilson, yep. an offensive lineman. So again, just some names that you guys can put on your radar early on in this in this process, I apologize. I butchered a couple of last names. I'm still learning about these guys. I'm not deep into it like these two guys are, but we're all learning this together. That's why we're doing these draft seasons, by the way. Starting in August, we'll do one a month. Maybe we'll increase the frequencies we get later in the year, a couple times a month. So when we get to January, we're not doing intro studies. We're kind of going into the intermediate studies already when we kind of get started in draft season come January and February. All right, guys, we've actually already had a couple games here in, in the college football season, including a big 10 matchup. And uh, why don't we talk about that first, Tony, before we get to games coming up here in the class in general, what did you see in that Northwestern Nebraska game? I know uh, a guy from Northwestern, their left tackle. A lot of people think right now he might be the top tackle in the class that had a, had a pretty mm -hmm. good game. Well, what did I see? I saw much of the same from Nebraska. I hate to say it. I mean, they blew the game and, and they found the way to lose. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of sad because everyone thought going in that game, Nebraska would finally break that streak. As far as Skaronsky is concerned, yeah, I, I don't know. I've got Skaronsky as a guard on my board. I think he's going to go about six, three and a half. He's very athletic. He's a zone blocking guard. 
Played, played well, but, you know, as you saw, he's got to get a little bit stronger. He's probably under 300 pounds. He's got to, got to improve that run-blocking strength. He's got a good amount of upside. Uh, I, I left some room for uh, improvement at, at his game. Played relatively well, but let's see what happens as he starts to really get into the meat of that, uh, as Northwestern, I should say, starts to get into that meat of that Big Ten schedule. Let me ask you something, Tony, because he played for Texas last year, I think, right? And I don't, I didn't really know a ton about him. The quarterback for Nebraska, the transfer, Casey Thompson, I think his name is, right? Right. I thought he actually, I, I thought he threw the ball pretty well. A nice quick release, has a pretty good arm on him. And he, he made a special play on kind of a broken play where oh, he, yeah. he ran and he completely turned his whole back to the defense <laughs> and then flipped around and threw the ball down the field. Uh, that's probably something that drives coaches crazy, but. Just, you know, for the fans watching, it was extremely entertaining. <laughs> and, and, and as Chris was alluded to, I mean, he's mobile. I mean, he's yeah. an RPO-type quarterback. I, I think that the concern for me is, you know, Scott Frost's Achilles, Achilles heel has always been the quarterback position. I mean, he hitched his wagon to Martinez the prior three, four years. He went nowhere. Everyone thought that Casey, that Thompson would be a, uh, a step up. Granted, it's only one game. Let's see where it goes from here. The guy's got a lot of ability. He's got a lot of physical skills. Uh, you know, can he improve? Can Nebraska help him improve? I think one guy that kind of stood out to me in that game was probably Anthony Grant, uh, a guy who previously played in the junior college ranks, also uh, started off his career at Florida State. Uh, he had one really kind of special play. Nothing too crazy on paper, 19 carries, 100 yards. But he had this big explosive play that really caught my eye where he made multiple guys miss in the open field. And just to be able to run with the power that I thought he did uh, throughout that game and then show that open field explosive ability, I thought that was something that really excited me. He ran away from the defenders as well. But he put a move on a guy in the open field. Open field tackle, I mean, that's tough. Trust me, it's tough. But the way he did it, making a move on top of a movie, really set it, setting it up to get the angle that he needed to get to the end zone. I thought that was kind of, I don't want to say special, but it was a really uh, eye-popping play. Hey guys, it's Rich Davis from Covino and Rich here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer. Making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance or any terrain from the road to the trails. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew could stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you could sit back and enjoy the wide open views with the whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter what your style, you could drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The guy who I really liked before he got hurt was the uh, Nebraska tight end Travis Vokalek. I mean, the guy is 6'6", 265 pounds. He runs in the four sevens, catches the ball very well. Someone who kind of, when you talk to scouts about him, you know, you get kind of a shoulder shrug. But when you watch the film, granted, they had a couple of tight ends last year. When you watch last year's film, Volkolek, when he was on the field, you know, was an impressive looking guy who did a good job catching the ball when it was thrown in his direction. Had five receptions for, I believe, 63 yards before he uh, went down with what seemed like a, an ankle injury. Hopefully he's able to return sooner rather than later. Uh, but I think at that size with the guy that catches the ball that well, there's always room for that type of player at the next level as a third tight end. 
Yeah, no question. All right, guys, we have three big matchups coming up in the first couple, two, three weeks of the college football season. I'll just throw them out, and then you guys can pick out players, matchups, anything that might excite you from these rosters. Georgia, Oregon will um, will be the first one I'll bring up. We talked about some of those players already with Bruce, but anything from those two rosters that that you guys want to touch on that really jumps out from from those two schools. I, I think that the the byline for this game is. Georgia's playing against the quarterback that they're very familiar with in Bo Nix because Bo Nix is now playing at Oregon, uh, which is one of the, the biggest, biggest, biggest surprising transfers, I believe, in, in the offseason. And, and so sorted uh, started sort of a, a hailstorm of, uh, of issues uh, at Auburn with, with the coaching staff. So that's going to be very interesting. And the fact is, when you watch Bo Nix, the first two years at Auburn, he looked terrible. I mean, he looked like basically a chicken with no head the way he was throwing the ball around. He was <laughs> running around, he was throwing the pass. Last year, he really showed a lot of development as a passer. And he went from a guy who was drafted afterthought, probably shouldn't have even been the starting quarterback at Auburn. He was there because he was legacy. His father was the starting quarterback to, hey, you know what? This guy's a playmaker. I'll be interesting to see if he could, if he's able to produce, if he's able to move the ball against what is still a stout Georgia defense. I think all eyes are on Bo Nix. I mean, a guy who uh, definitely has all the right skill set, the, the arm. You talked about the athleticism, Tony. Uh, he put those things on display. You know, being more consistent from the pocket, that's something that where you want to see how does he take that next step. You know, Oregon, they got a new uh, coordinators and thing there, whole new coaching staff. You know, how would his game translate to the West Coast? Uh, a big-time prospect. I think all eyes are going to be on him. Can his offensive line protect him? from, you know, this SEC defensive line, that's going to be one of the things that could definitely make things a little bit more difficult for him. Well, you know, it's interesting, and I'm glad you brought that up. You know, Georgia doesn't have the defense that they had a year ago, and you touched on that with with Bruce, with Bruce Feldman and, and Jalen Carter in the, in the sense that he may be better than, say, uh, Jordan Davis last year, but overall, it's not the same defense that it was a year ago, but it's still pretty damn good because, you know, we talked about Jalen Carter with Bruce Feldman, Nolan Smith. I, I mean, love when, his, when you watch this guy, uh, number four, he's all over the place. And he is a three. He can blitz. He's forceful up the field. He can play in space. He's outstanding in pursuit. You know, uh, Chris talked about Keely Ringo, the cornerback. They also got another cornerback there by the name of Ty, uh, Tyke Smith, who transferred to Georgia from West Virginia in 2021. He was going to be one of the top cornerbacks, got injured in the preseason, played a little bit early in the year, but then they basically decided to sit him. Tyke Smith is an outstanding uh, cornerback in his own right. This is what Bo Nix is going to be up against. And, you know, it's funny because, you know, Chris talked about, can they protect Bo Nix? Oregon, except for Penny Sewell, has a history of getting uh, guys that are selected late in the draft that go on to have NFL, good NFL careers. They got a couple of those guys uh, this year. TJ Bass, the guard, Alex Forsythe, the center, who's one of my favorites. Got a kid by the name of Steven Jones. Uh, who's a, an offensive tackle, you know, they're not great players. They're not Penny Sewell type players. They're not even close, but they get the job done. They're very efficient. They're smart. You know, the Giants have had some success with that type of player in, in Shane Lemieux. That's the type of uh, offensive lineman that these guys are. Get the most of from, from their ability. Don't have mental mistakes. So it's going to be an interesting battle. 
I know Bruce mentioned the cornerback, Chris Gonzalez, who's transferred from uh, Colorado, but one other guy on his Oregon defense. And we're talking about a lot of Oregon guys, so hopefully we'll see if they have a chance. But Noah Sewell, playing linebacker oh. for Oregon, a guy who really plays downhill, plays with his hair on fire. I think when you sit and watch, like, the All-22, you can see, uh, like, the, the athleticism is not, like, top end, but he's definitely a guy who can kind of change the dynamics of a game. So I, I'm curious to see what kind of impact he has against uh, Georgia. Smart as hell. I mean, one of those guys that knows what's going to happen before it actually happens, Noah Sewell. Very efficient, takes good angles to the play. Yeah. Sometimes gets caught up in blocks a little bit, but, you know, he's always on scene, both against the run and pass. Uh, they have another, they have a safety by the name of Trick Weeze Bridges, who I was at the game last year against Ohio State. And this kid, he was in and out of the game, but I, I mean, he, he was a better athlete than Verone McKinley, who everybody loved, who ran the 465 and, and didn't get drafted. Bridges is a great combination of size, athleticism, athleticism, and he's a good player. You know, one of the guys, I, I didn't want to cut in when, when Bruce was saying this, he talked about DJ Johnson. Uh, or he didn't talk about it. DJ Johnson is on his freaks list uh, as one of his, uh, one, one of his top uh, 100 players. DJ Johnson is the kind of guy that fits that mold of more athlete than football player at this time. Let's see if he's able to start to transition that great athleticism into football ability and football production. Yeah, no question about it. All right, let, let's jump to the second big matchup in the first few weeks, Ohio State and Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Where you talked about Ohio State's receivers. You talked about C.J. Stroud, right? And in passing, Tony, we kind of talked about Michael Mayer a little bit. Yeah about being an outstanding tight end. I think Bruce mentioned him. I'm looking at your preseason top 25. He's in your top 10. Yep. Tell me about Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame. I, I mean, he's basically a power forward at the tight end position it is what it is, is, you know, he's not super fast, but he's fast enough to get 15, 20 yards down the field and create mismatches in the secondary. He gets up in a crowd and he comes away with the, with the reception when three guys are draped on him. Not the greatest blocker, but it's not his forte. They don't ask him what to do. I, I think Mayer's one of those guys. He's not going to be a, a four four five guy, say, like Evan Engram was. He's more a four six guy, but he's just a very reliable tight end who's got great length, who looks incredibly imposing. I like to see him improve his blocking. I like to see uh, Notre Dame uh, prioritize his blocking, which they may do with the new coach. But he, he's going to be—he's their number one target because not only is the biggest target out there, but he's the most consistent target for Notre Dame. I think in that game, I mean, when it comes to Ohio State and really kind of the pass protection and whatnot, uh, Paris Johnson, the yeah. guy who is listed as a tackle, he's played a lot of guard there for Ohio State. You know, is he going to transition to the offensive tackle position? How is he going to look out there being able to play out in space? That's something I'm going to be keeping an eye on. Yeah, remember they they remember they they lost their two starting tackles last year, Petit Friere and Munford. So they're having new guys at both those spots. Well, Munford, remember, Munford primarily played guard last year because it was Dewan Jones. Oh, that's right. He moved inside. You're right. He's as big as as uh, almost as big as uh, Falele from uh, from Minnesota, the kid from Minnesota, who is a massive guy who plays right tackle. You know, building upon what what Eric was talking about with uh, Paris Johnson. Yeah, let's see if he can play. Um, you know, how his transition is to the all-important left tackle. People are already saying Paris Johnson's going to be the top left tackle in the 2023 draft. I said, let's put the brakes on that. Let him take a couple of snaps at left tackle (laughs) before we start to, uh, you know, anoint him that. It's going to go up against Isaiah Folksky, who is a terrific pass rusher for Notre Dame, more of an outside linebacker, but a guy that can speed rush the edge, quickly gets up the field. That's going to be Paris Johnson. Isaiah Folksky is going to be a big matchup to watch on Saturday. 
And Tony, there's one of the Ohio State guy in your top 25. Got the last one in, the Ohio State center, Luke uh, Whipler, who you like. Yeah, and Ohio State has, has a history of, you know, we talk about their tackles. Their interior offensive linemen, you know, you know Nick Mangold, all these guys go. Billy Price. Top, yeah, and they, they always go top 60. Whipler is my next on that list, can play guard, can play center. He is a tough masher, but he's also very good on his feet. Gets out on the second level, can block in motion. Uh, a guy, I, I don't think that interior of that Notre Dame defense is going to be very strong or as strong as it has been in the past. Um, and I think Whipler is a guy to watch because I think he can dominate Saturday. All right, let's go to Alabama, Texas here, guys. I know Texas is trying to put themselves in that SEC title conversation. The young Manning will be there in a, next year. So talk to me about that matchup and anything that you're looking forward to watching there. Crocker, you look excited. Well, Texas, they have a lot of young players that aren't really draft eligible just yet. Yeah. Uh, that I, I can't wait to watch and just see how they perform against Alabama. But Alabama, I mean, they're littered, obviously, with – uh, pro prospects. I think it's easy to say Will Anderson, but one of the guys that I'm really intrigued to see, Jameer Gibbs, uh, running back to transfer from Georgia Tech. That's the guy I'm going to really be keeping an eye on between him. We talked a little bit earlier about Jermaine Burton, the receiver. I thought he just didn't have a whole lot of opportunities there uh, with Georgia. What's that going to look like in the Alabama offense? And then probably uh, there's one more guy, Jordan Battle, uh, the safety. You know, you don't see a whole lot of safety secondary guys stick around in Alabama. They all tend to leave a little early, but Battle, a guy who people were kind of expecting to come out last season, staying for the ne another year. How, how good of a start is he going to get uh, to this season is going to be one of the top safeties to come out. So those are definitely a few guys that I'll be tuned in for. Yeah, you know, uh, Texas, when you look at the roster and compare it to the rest of the Big 12 Conference from an NFL prospect point of view, really has the has overtaken this season anyway, Oklahoma having the most, pro the top, the best prospects or the most top 10 prospects in the conference. Spit it out there, Tony. But Texas <laughs> is a lot like Nebraska. They shoot themselves, you know, we talked about Nebraska against Northwestern. They, they shoot themselves in the foot, or at least they have the past couple of years against Oklahoma. I mean, they got a real good tackle by the name of Christian Jones, who was a solid left tackle for him the past two years. He's slated to play right tackle. If he goes up against Will Anderson, that's a big matchup to watch. Obviously, you know, the two running backs, Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, who we talked about with Bruce, you know, that, that is a, you know, a, big uh, dual-headed monster that Alabama is going to have to stop. Uh, and Jaleel Billingsley, who was a real good or decent tight in Alabama, he now plays for Texas. And you know he's going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. And, of course, there's the matchup between or the, the byline of Sarkeesian playing against his old coach, Nick Saban, who really resurrected his career. Uh, I think but with, with this game, the, the question is, Alabama is definitely the most talented, but can Texas get out of their own way? Yeah, it's funny. Daniel Jeremiah said that he thinks watching this Alabama defense, he thinks they might be more talented than the Georgia defense last year, which is saying something given what that Georgia defense looked like last year. So we'll have to wait and see um, exactly how good they end up being. A couple hey, of real, real quick, John, you, ahead, you, you Crock, mentioned please. Arch Manning, but there's Quinn Ewers there, you know, and he, yeah, he's there right now. So that, that's the guy kind of. We'll see if he can hold on to that spot, not just this year, but next season as well. He's throwing to Xavier Worthy. I'm ex super excited to watch Xavier Worthy. I've watched a little bit of him when he was in high school, and then now he's transitioned to college football. He's just been tremendous, and I'd say 2024 class is probably one of the top receivers to come out of there. So they, they got some good young talent, uh, but you know, will it be enough? Because uh, Alabama is loaded. You know, the thing is with, with the Alabama defense, I think they are incredibly talented in their back seven. You know, Will Anderson is 
a back seven defensive player. Henry Totoa, who's a terrific linebacker. Brian Branch, the uh, safety. Chris mentioned Jordan Battle. They've got another safety there by the name of DeMarco Helms. That front defensive line, you know, push, putting Will Anderson aside, if you can, the interior is not what it's been in the past. Mm, That's right. maybe an area where Texas can potentially exploit it. Interesting. All right. Good to know. We talked about Bryce Young and CJ Stroud a little bit. We can touch on them again, but I want to just kind of get an overview on what you guys think the rest of that quarterback class kind of looks like. I went back and I watched a lot of both Young and Stroud just to kind of get ready for the season. I know we're going to be talking about these quarterbacks a lot. I also watched the, the uh, Kentucky kid Levis. I think, in my opinion, I, like I know Levis. Stroud has has the physical attributes you look at better, size and everything, but if you look just based on how they play the position and you take the traits out of it, I think I probably like Young a little bit more than Stroud with the way he played last year. I thought he was a little bit better anticipation. I thought in like third and long situations, he was better. You know, I was surprised. I went back. I watched all of Stroud's third and sevens and longer, right? I think he had 60 or so of those during the season. He threw beyond the sticks, maybe twice. They just kept running shallow crosses and he tries to hit the shallow cross and he tries to run upfield. So I thought Young... You, you remember who else did that, right, from Ohio tr- State? What's that? D- Dwayne Haskins. He made a living off of that yes. with guys like Paris Campbell and those guys, just a shallow uh, mesh concept. And you saw a lot of Paris Campbell where he'd do a cross. He was one of the tougher evaluations for me, not being able to see Paris, uh, Paris Campbell, you know, just like legitimately yep. run routes at, at like a pro day and whatnot. But just shallow cross, if it's zone, he's going to stop in the open zone. If it's man, he's going to keep it going. And they made a, a living off of that with Dwayne Haskins. Well, and when you have those receivers that can make people miss and get up field after catching a five-yard pass, I do it too. I don't blame them. But bottom right. line, I think right now, though Stroud, I thought, played a lot better at the end of the year than he did at the start of the year. Yeah, I thought he really showed a lot of improvement. Um, I still think Young overall probably put a little bit better than Strad did last season. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, Bryce Young was definitely the most more consistent quarterback. He's the more cerebral quarterback. He's more the thinking man's quarterback. But when you're looking at it from a physical attributes uh, yep. point of view, C.J. Stroud is light years ahead. C.J. Stroud is a phenomenal vertical pass. I, if not, I, I'm not talking about just arm strength. I'm talking about accuracy. I'm talking about letting the deep receivers run to the football. And you're absolutely right. Listen, I was at that first game, the Oregon-Ohio State game in in, uh, Columbus, in in Ohio Stadium, and C.J. Stroud was not good. (laughs) I mean, he (laughs) hit the line of scrimmage, and the play clock would run down six, five, four, and C.J. Stroud is looking to the sidelines for direction. I didn't think that they'd let him play, and then they had a tough game. I believe it was the following week. Sorry about that. I I believe it was the (laughs) following Uh, CJ Stroud had, had a tough game. I, I believe it was against uh, it was Tulsa the, the following weekend, and yeah. he really didn't mm-hmm. get. Even the first game of the year, he struggled against Minnesota. He yep. really didn't get his groove on until October, late October, November, when he really started to turn it up, and they let him play. So, as far as I'm concerned, with CJ Stroud is which CJ Stroud are we going to get at, from the start of the 2022 season? Are we going to get the C.J. Stroud that we saw in the beginning of 2021 or the guy that was unstoppable at the Rose Bowl? I think C.J. Stroud has got much more upside than a Bryce Young. But I think Bryce Young is basically Mac Jones plus some. Yeah, but he's mobile, right? He's he's a better athlete. Yeah. He's got he's got a, a slightly stronger arm than, yep. Bre- than Mac Jones, although he doesn't have the strongest of arms. So I, I think the quarterback battle for the 2023 draft 
will almost solely be dictated on what C.J. Stroud shows throughout the 2023 season. If he shows improvement, if he shows, as Chris was talking about earlier, you know, the ability to throw those, become a better intermediate passer and really round out his game, and he's not consistently looking at the sideline for direction as he was early in the year, you know, as the play clock wound down, and C.J. Stroud's going to be the first pick of the draft. Listen, like I said, I was at that Oregon, the Oregon-Ohio State game. Chris Olave was getting frustrated. He was throwing his arms in the air because he was wide <laughs> open. Chris Olave could have had four touchdowns that day, but C.J. Stroud never looked his way. So you've got to see that with C.J. Stroud. Is he locking on to one receiver or is he going through his progressions? That's what scouts are going to want to know, and that's what's going to dictate who the first quarterback selected in the 2023 draft is. Or as far as I'm concerned, as we sit here today, you know, the end of August, 2022, let's not forget a year ago, everyone thought Spencer Rattler yeah. was going to be the first quarterback selected. And somehow it was potentially a top 10 pick. Exactly. Right. So, so things will, uh, <laughs> things will change. And uh, to kind of touch a little bit more on the quarterback position, no. I, I think Will Levis, he's a guy I really like <laughs> him. Uh, the style of offense that they play at Kentucky, I think his biggest downfall is just who is he really throwing the ball to in comparison to some of these other guys. We talked about Marvin Harrison, and we talked about uh, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigma that C.J. Stroud's throwing to. But we can't name a receiver over there at Kentucky right now. Maybe, you lost Wondell Robinson, who got yeah. drafted by the Giants. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. He lost Wondell yeah. Robinson. So, uh, who you know, they got the new offensive coordinator going there to really help. That's uh, Rich Gangarillo. Uh, to kind of help transition or keep that same kind of offense together that they uh, played with last season. He plays under center, can turn his back to a defense. He has a big enough arm. He has he has the mobility and things like that. How well will he play? I'm curious to that. But there's one other guy that I really want to talk about. Yeah, and, go ahead. Uh, we got Jake Hayner out of Fresno State. Yeah. And he's very intriguing because he's an efficient guy. He can make all the throws. He has a nice arm. And, I mean, I had someone tell me that this is the best – Fresno State quarterback since David Carr. Yep. And you got to remember, there's Derek Carr out there too, right? And he doesn't have quite the weapons that Derek Carr had. Carr had a ton of receivers that went on to play in the NFL, not just Devontae Adams, but you had Josh Harper, you had Isaiah Burst, you had um, uh, the other kid out of Stockton, California. I'm from Stockton, I should know that. Jalen Saunders, right? So all these guys that went to the league and, you know, Derek Carr kind of, not saying he benefited only from that. Clearly, he's a good NFL quarterback. But Jake Hayner, I mean, He's a, he sounds like he's a really good prospect, the cerebral aspect of things. He has it, but he's playing at Fresno State right now. So can he overcome some of that? Not the biggest guy in the world. Uh, Not, and that's going to be the knock, right, when you look at even Bryce Young. But Bryce yeah. Young, at least, if he's smaller and you have questions, like, well, he played in the SEC against big guys. Not going to see Jake Hanner play against that type of competition. He does have a USC game early on. I think that's going to be really big to kind of jumpstart any type of hype that might be surrounding him. Well, remember, he played well against Oregon last year. That's when Kayvon Thibodeau, I believe it was Oregon's first game of the year, hurt uh, hurt his ankle, and Hayner played well. You know, it's interesting because Hayner decided to go back for a second senior season. He initially entered the transfer portal, and there was talk that he was going to go to Washington. I don't know what happened, but he's back at Fresno State. I, I mean, he's more your Bryce Young type of quarterback, a very cerebral guy. You, can, you watch the film, you can see him going through his progressions. You can see him, you can see that he, he does a great job with his reads. I think that the lack of size, I think that, you know, he's got a decent arm, doesn't have a great arm. Those combine workouts, the pro day workouts, can he fly, uh, fly, uh, fling the ball downfield with speed? You know, great college quarterback, as far as I'm concerned, 
I, you know, it's a system where he's more of a game manager on Sunday. And that's okay to have a game manager if the other pieces are in place. All right, a couple other items I want to get to, boys, before we um, say goodbye here. Tony, I know you've done more a deeper dive on the class than Eric and I have so far. We're still, you know, we're working on FL stuff. We're working on a bunch of other stuff, too. What do you think the strength is of this draft class? Where is it going to be strongest? And where do you think maybe ooh, you might, if you need someone at this spot, this, this might not be the draft to get it. Well, I, obviously we're, we're in the early going, but right now everyone's going to be talking about CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. But as far as my board's concerned, it looks like it's going to be another really good defensive draft. I mean, you got Will Anderson at the top. You got the two Clemson kids who I absolutely love, Miles Murphy and Brian Brise. I have uh, Smith and Jabba rated higher than Bryce Young or CJ Stroud. And then you have the two quarterbacks. So I, I think there's the potential there to get a real good defensive front player, defensive front seven player in the, in, in the 2023 draft. I'm not too high right now on the, on the cornerbacks. We'll see what happens. Maybe somebody develops Allah the way Ahmad Gardner did last year. But when I look at my board, I like DJ Turner. I like Keely Ringo. And it kind of falls off after that. I think the offensive tackle class also leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, I was looking at it. You only have one in your top 25, Tony. He's always down. He's, uh, I think, he's a kid out of Stanford. Miles, right? yeah. Miles Hinton, who's an underclassman right tackle at Stanford, who's uh, right now is, I believe, like number 21 or number 22. But again, I mean, this is early. I'm very conservative with my grades in the early going because I want to see improvement from these guys. I want to see development, see how they play during the season, find, see what their actual uh, athletic numbers are, what their, what their computer numbers are. So I tend to be more conservative. But yeah, I mean, there aren't many offensive tackles that have blown me away or I feel are guys that are going to be first round picks in 2023. Crocking and chime in on strength, the weakness of the class, or just if you just want to take anything from this college football season that you're excited to look that you just like are pumped up about that we haven't mentioned that you want to bring up, the floor is yours. I think the conversation typically starts surrounding the quarterbacks. And he talked mm -hmm. about having, you know, two guys right now in his top 25 and we'll see if anybody else kind of makes that jump, but you know, there's a big quarterback over at Florida right now. You know, there's just these guys that you want to see, you know, what do they end up developing into? Because I believe that some teams passed on quarterbacks last year because like, Oh man, the 2023 class, like that's the class. If you want a quarterback, 2023 is the class to get your quarterback. But right now, two guys in, uh, Tony's top 25, maybe it's not as strong of a quarterback class, but can somebody kind of jump up? Uh, that's something to curious to watch. You got and, we've, and we've seen it, by the way, right? Joe Burrow and Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, exactly. Guys that were not highly regarded heading into their final year, and boom, the first pick's off the board. Right, and, and no one was talking about Kenny Pickett being a first-round pick last year. It was all, you know, Spencer Rattler and, and Sam Howell. I mean, you know, keep an eye on Tyler Van Dyke of Miami. I have him graded much lower than other people because I look at the inconsistencies in his game. There were some games where he was right on, but there were a lot of times where he's overthrowing receivers or he's making receivers adjust backwards. I mean, that's a guy that could make a big move up draft boards. A lot has to be played out, and none of this obviously is is in stone at this point in time. In the quarterback, I was talking about Anthony Richardson, a uh, big quarterback over at Florida. I mean, uh, inconsistent as a passer, but if he can prove on, improve on that, we are talking about a guy who has big time, you know, ability. He has the mobility, the athleticism, et cetera, the arm strength, but uh, got to be more consistent as a passer first. So, All right. And final thing I'll bring up here, guys, I'm not going to go through all the players, obviously, because there's a uh, hundred and, you know, 200, 300 players, but uh, the senior bowl put out their watch list for the 2022 season, which is always a good thing. You want to take a look at some of the seniors and guys that might be graduating to track. Uh, 
they broke it down in terms of conference. 100 of the players are from the SEC. Not a surprise. 77 from the Big Ten. I was surprised to see the ACC right behind at 72. That conference has been down lately compared to some of the others. Pac-12 at 51. Big 12 at 48. Um, the AAC with 32 in terms of the, the uh, non-Power 5 schools have the most. Um, Notre Dame with three players in that list. And then schools with eight or more players. This, these should not be surprises. Alabama 12, LSU 8, Kentucky and NC State. Uh, two teams we've talked about today with 10. Bruce mentioned NC State could have a very good year in that ACC. Um, Ole Miss with nine, Oklahoma with eight, Ohio State with nine, Michigan nine, Florida State nine, so on and so forth. So always good to keep an eye on what Jim Nagy's doing at the Senior Bowl with some of those upperclassmen. Well, you know, see, what, what's surprising is of all, unless I missed it, of all the, the team breakdowns, I didn't hear Clemson there. And Clemson, let me see. I got Clemson. You know what? I do not see Clemson right. on the team. I, I'm, is my guess is that a lot of they have a lot of underclassmen. Underclassmen, right? They always leave early, right? But but that's the that's the that's why you know the ACC is is the ACC. What number one? I think it's got what sixteen teams in the conference. <laughs> you got you got all those teams, <laughs> and then you're gonna have you're gonna have more players. Good point. And, and I, they've had a lot of players uh, selecting draft Virginia Tech, although they're not where they were at, you know in previous years. North Carolina has always had a lot of guys. Uh, select Sam Howell at the, at the Senior Bowl last year. Uh, the North Carolina State uh, is going to be an interesting story. Bruce touched, uh, you talked about earlier, or we touched on him, you know, Devin Leary, sort of a Jake Hafner type guy, very cerebral sort of quarterback, not a big guy, but protects the football and makes good choices. They have a linebacker out there by the name of Peyton Wilson, six foot four, 240 pounds, runs and plays in the four sixes. When you watch him on film, the guy grades out as a top 60 pick. I mean, scout, I had him last year as a third rounder. Scouts thought he could go in the second rounder. The problem with Wilson is he's had a lot of issues with the shoulder. Missed half the last season with a shoulder injury. Had a, a problem with the shoulder earlier on. That Peyton Wilson is a guy that if he stays healthy and has a big year and is able to complete it, you know, complete the whole season, a lot of people are going to be talking about uh, at, the end of, at the end of the 2022 campaign could see him uh, at the senior bowl. Uh, Zach Charbonnet running back out of ah. UCLA was a transfer from Michigan. I thought he should have came out last season. I don't know how much more he could improve his stock by staying for a senior year, but run strong. Uh, you know, we'll see if he has to kind of be that one, a one B running back at UCLA this season, but you know, heading into a senior year, I think he's someone that can definitely uh, potentially improve his stock. So uh, that's one guy we already talked about Jordan battle safety out of Alabama. You got uh uh, Joe Fucha, the transfer from Arkansas to uh, Alabama, uh, LSU safety. So he's kind of a tweener, a guy who has coverage ability, could play in the slot, but he's a, listed as a safety. Uh, he's a guy as well that I'm kind of curious to see that's on that senior ball watch list. Fucha uh, from Arkansas, right? Uh, Char getting yeah. back to Charbonnet, scouts love Charbonnet. I mean, I talk to scouts, they think uh, they've got feel he's a second day prospect. So he's got a lot to live up to. And, you know, Christian yeah. may be right. He may be better off uh, entering, should have entered last year's draft. All right, guys, that was awesome. I wanted to ask Bruce about this, but we ran out of time. He was very generous with this time, but we ran out of it. How do you think realignment's going to impact this whole thing moving forward? Tony, look how frustrated Tony looks at just me bringing it up. And do you think we're going to have any other movement? Are other teams going to bail? Is Oregon and Washington going to get out of the pack? 10 or 12, whatever the hell they call now. Uh, Tony, your thoughts. You know, first of all, from as a college football traditionalist and someone who grew up watching Ohio State and USC play in the Rose Bowl, I, you know, I, I, I don't like this realignment. And the fact is, this is 
it's done for the TV contracts. <laughs> you know, I, I get, you know, if you ever go to a USC game, you ever go to UCLA game, especially UCLA, I mean, usually the, the, the stadium is half full. And I guess what they figure is USC and UCLA see dollar signs, those TV contracts. And I guess the Big Ten thinks, yeah, people are going to get up in LA County at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning to watch USC play Northwestern. I don't know. I really don't like it. But well, a- I didn't realize USC and UCLA have trouble selling tickets. Oh, yeah. It's a disaster. I mean, Wow. Yeah. The, the, the Coliseum has not been full in, in a while. Yeah. The, the one thing about West Coast football, when you're not good, yeah. you're not going to get <laughs> no one's quite that, that support, man. Yeah. And, and again, I, I moved here to Arkansas a couple years ago. The Razorbacks haven't been very good. And I think last season was one of their better years over the last few years with uh, KJ Jefferson, at quarterback. They are always yep. behind their Razorbacks. And, and the stands are always going to be pretty, pretty full. The whole state is behind them. Nebraska. It is not like that in California. Nebraska. You have to be good. I, I mean, Nebraska has been terrible. You can't get a seat in a Nebraska game. Not only can you get, can't get a seat. I mean, watch the game this weekend. How many Nebraska fans were in Ireland? They're one of the best traveling teams in, in the nation. <laughs> uh, Wisconsin is always full. You got to US, if USC. I, I, I can get, uh, back in nineteen. What was it? Uh, quick story. Nineteen ninety-seven. Nineteen ninety-six. I went to scout two games live. USC. Keyshawn played, Johnson. Exactly. USC play uh, played Washington State that after in the early afternoon that evening. I went to see UCLA and Jonathan Ogden against Arizona. USC at the time was, I believe, the fifth ranked team in the nation. This was the week before they were playing Notre Dame. You could walk up to the front gate and get a ticket for five bucks. It was fifty percent full. You mentioned Keyshawn Johnson. Wow. I went to that game. There was a true sophomore defensive lineman who absolutely blew me away. No one was talking about him. I was like, forget about Keyshawn Johnson. Keep an eye on this guy. The guy's name was Daryl Russell. Mm. Oh, went to the Raiders, right? Yes, made five plays behind the line of scrimmage in the first half alone. But, you know, getting back to, you know, it's not not only realignment, but it's the whole transfer portal thing, which kind of makes the scouting much more, it makes it a lot more difficult because, you know, you want to watch Jaden Williams. You want to scout him. You want to put him on your LSU board, but you got to wait till you get to the Arizona State film because Jaden Jaden Daniels, Jaden Daniels played for Arizona State. And when you get guys moving across the country, and now you've got realignment. Remember, you know, scouting is broken down by area scouts. You know, yeah. you got you got your Southwest scouts, you got your Northeast scouts, you got your Southeast scouts, you got your West Coast scouts. So now, what's going to happen is. The West Coast scouts are going to have to watch the USC UCLA game and pass it on to their Big Ten guy, guys who cover the Big Ten, because now schools that are on the those two schools are on the left coast are, are in the Big Ten, so it makes it it makes the opportunity for minor mistakes to happen more often because of the fact that it's not neatly packaged as it once was. It was great to chop it up with you guys, man. It's been too long. I have a four month old now. He's sleeping through the night, which is good, but it's great to be back. Uh, we're going to try to guide all of our fans again. This is technically, you see from behind me, the New York Giants podcast, but this is for all NFL fans. I think we mentioned the Giants and Tony did once during the entire podcast about Shane Lemieux, and that was pretty much it. So if you're an NFL fan, come check us out. We'll talk draft over the next few months. Again, we'll be once a month the first few months, and then we'll see where we go as things begin to pick up with the college football season. It's a lot of fun, guys. It was good to see you. Absolutely. Fun to be back. Now, now I got some, I got some work to do, man. Uh-oh. Dive into a lot of the, more of these prospects. I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah, me too, man. For Eric Crocker, for Tony Pauline, I'm John Schmelk. And once again, it's draft season. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years. 
have a plan, and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.